Good morning, church, and welcome to our Sunday celebration service. It's my pleasure to be sharing the word of God with you this morning. And before we go into our message, I wonder if you could just pray and commit the service into the hands of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this time that you have given us this morning to gather around your word. We pray, Lord, that your word will enter in our hearts, that, Lord, you will speak to us this morning. Speak the things that are in your heart, Lord, so that we may get to understand what we need to do, what we need to learn in this season of our lives. We thank you for your word, Father God, because your word is spirit and it is life. As the, your word enters in our hearts, Lord, we pray that it will find a place in our hearts. And we just want to commit this whole service into your hands. I pray that you use me this morning to speak that which is in your heart. We come against any kind of disturbances, any kind of hindrances, and we commit everything in your hands in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the ship gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool, after each such disturbance, would be cured of whatever disease he had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Here we have an account of life at the pool of Bethesda. Many were brought and left at the pool, while the odds of being in the pool first were very high, to say the least. The blind would not see the water when it was stirred. The deaf hoped to be watching the water at the right moment because they could not hear the rush for the pool. Those in physical pain hoped they would feel good enough to get up and rush into the pool when it was time. Then there were those who were paralyzed or crippled who had to rely on someone to lift them up quickly and drop them into the pool. John starts here by introducing us to this great multitude of people suffering from all kinds of diseases, waiting and believing for their healing. 
and maybe at times also despairing. Sadly, many would be disappointed because only one person got healed at a time. The crippled man had most likely spent the better part of his 38 years waiting at this pool, hoping that he might one day be the first of the multitude to enter the pool. Now, I'm sure we all get the picture that this was a very dark place. But not on this particular Sabbath day, because Jesus visited the place. It was not an angel who showed up, but the master himself. The sad thing for me is that Jesus remained unrecognized at the pool. He walked around and no one recognized him or asked to be healed. In other places, as soon as Jesus appeared, they ran to him for healing. But at the pool of Bethesda, they were so consumed with the way of the pool that the true way himself was neglected. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6. I have entitled the message this morning, Look Up to Jesus. As he walked around the pool, no one cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. No one reached out to touch the hem of his garment. Had they not heard about Jesus? He who was able to heal them freely and instantly was in their midst. Yet he received no attention from them. They looked another way, gazing into the clouds when the healer was in their presence. It is clear that they never tried to get to Jesus, trusting fully in the pool, the angel, and the stirring of the water. They were attached to this place called Bethesda. But we know that Jesus is found wherever there is a heart that wants him. And by the way, Bethesda simply means house of mercy. This is where they were lying around a pool, waiting for a blessing which seldom came. Likewise, we can also be accustomed to traditional ways of doing things, ways that we've become familiar with, which can easily blind us from seeking the true way, which is the way of Christ. And I think the danger of being at the pool of Bethesda is that of looking somewhere else for hope rather than looking up to Christ. Bethesda represents a place where we try to achieve something through some other means instead of seeking the one who is able, the one who is willing, the one who is close and readily available. At Bethesda, 
we keep our attention fixed on the means within our reach. While on the other hand, God's hand reaches out from hidden places to show us that his goodness stretches beyond the narrow limits of our faith. Our Lord knew all this poor man's disappointments. Many times when he had attempted to get into the pool first and thought he would be the first one to take the happy plunge, someone else went in before him and his hopes were dashed. Someone else came out of the pool healed, perhaps celebrating with shouts of joy while the crippled man would just watch, feeling that it might be a long time before the angels stirred the water again. But on that day, Jesus came, looked around, and made a choice, which in itself was an act of sovereign grace. He was the one chosen from the multitude. Exodus chapter 33 verse 19 says, I will be gracious to whom I will and show mercy to whom I want. Just as Jesus knew this man's case, he knows all about your situation. He sees you where you are right now and singles you out from the multitude. He knows just how long you have been waiting. Psalm 113 verse 7 says, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ashes. He sees them with princes, with the princes of his people. Christ delights in helping the helpless and will show mercy on whom he chooses to show mercy. You will have had many messages preached, some touching and some you did not even understand. But you have kept on coming to church and studying the word, seeking to understand and know him more. I want to tell you this morning that he sees just who you are, where you are, and where he is taking you as you persevere. Do you wish to be made whole? Jesus asked the crippled man. It seems a very strange question. Who would not want to be healed? And why would he be waiting at this pool if, we, if it were not for the desire to be healed? I heard the story of a woman who visited a local church one Sunday morning seeking prayer for healing because she suffered from arthritis. When she went forward for prayer, the Holy Spirit revealed the person praying for her that in order for her to be healed, she needed to forgive her father first. When this was communicated to her, she immediately stormed out of the church building, shouting, I will never forgive him for what he has done. I will never forgive my father. And she walked out of the church. You see, she had a decision to make. She chose to hold on to bitterness and anger instead of receiving her healing on that day. No one could make that decision for her. 
You see, a person will never be saved against their will. There must be a desire in them and a consent to the work of God's sovereign grace. The point I'm trying to make here is that we may assume that we know the needs of others and then discover that their desires are different from what we assume. Therefore, we should always ask people what they want and not assume that what we are giving them is what they need. This is one of the reasons why Jesus asked the question, do you want to be made well? On the other hand, just how much hope do you think he still had after being in that same position for such a long time? 38 years is a long time. 456 months. 13,680 days. Jesus was asking him, why are you here? Do you still have the desire to be healed? Slowly bringing him to his attention. The fact that waiting by the poolside was not working. He needed to look elsewhere for his healing. Therefore, Jesus wanted him to come to the very bottom of his rope so he could let go of the rope, let go of the pool, and start looking up to Jesus for help. You see, the power to heal was in Christ, who stood very close to him. But there was a need to awaken the desire in the crippled man. And I think it is important for us that if there is anything that we desperately need, anything that we desire in our lives, we keep the desire burning within us. God sees it, and it is a vital ingredient for miracles to take place in our lives. See, the Lord wants to give us the desires of our hearts. He asked the man if he wanted to be healed so he could awaken his passion. The day on which these things happened was a Sabbath, and everyone knew that no one could, no work could be done on a Sabbath. Therefore, he had probably switched off because he was not expecting anything to happen on that day. And having been in that crippled state for so long, it was also possible that the paralysis of his body had brought a paralysis of his will. This man had hoped against hope and was possibly coming to the point of being consumed by hopelessness. How would you have fared if you were in this man's position? He said, I have no man to help me. He could not see any help coming from anywhere else except that which he could get from someone taking him into the pool. And here is the thing. We can also become so fixed on certain ways of doing things that we end up leaving no room for miracles to happen in our lives. We only look to our jobs for finances. We only look to the hospitals for treatments to our ailments. Psalm 121 verses 1 to 2 says, I look up to the hills. Where does my help come from? 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He who does not sleep or slumber. Perhaps it's time for us to start looking elsewhere. On this Sabbath, the appointed time for this man's healing had come. It wasn't according to what he was expecting. There was a better way for him to be healed, which did not require him to plunge into the pool and get wet before receiving his blessing. God's ways are higher than all other ways. Now, I don't know what you have been waiting for for so long. There may be some things that you desperately want to see happening in your life. And you have been waiting and waiting for a long time. I want to encourage you this morning not to give up. Our men here waited for 38 years, and that is a long time. Even Jesus' lifetime here on earth was not as long as this man's time of waiting. It was King Solomon who said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, For everything that happens under the sun, there is an appointed time and season for it. Jesus did not ask why he was not healed. He only asked if the man wanted to be healed. And his complaint was that he had no help. He had no man to help him into the pool when the angel stirred the waters. The lack of a helper is always a serious one. It's a great disadvantage to have no one to help us in certain situations. It is good to have a Christian friend who can lift you over a difficulty, one who will carry you out to the healing pool or places where you cannot go by yourself. It is a great loss if you don't have this type of a friend, especially one in whom you can confide in about spiritual matters. Having said that, a helper in certain situations may not be as valuable as we think. It is possible for us to put too much trust in men than in God. The man complained that there was no man to assist him. But what do we end up seeing? We end up seeing that it was in the very absence of any other man that the power of Christ was revealed in his life. Jesus said to him, rise up and walk. And he walked. Sometimes we focus so much on what people can do for us that we lose focus on what Christ can and will do for us. Our focus must never shift from what we want to what we don't have because we may end up losing the focus and determination to come out of certain situations. And there is no need for a man when Jesus is there. For you and me today, we don't need an intermediary or any other man because according to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, 
we can all approach his throne of grace with all boldness and confidence, knowing that we can receive mercy in our time of need. The power to heal the paralyzed man was in Christ, the Messiah, who stood right in front of him. But his mind was focused on the fact that there was no man to help him. The Lord Jesus can do more for us than we can ask of him. In fact, he will do exceedingly more than we can ever ask or imagine, according to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. You see, it was only at a certain time that the angel stirred the pool. But we know that Jesus can heal any time. He doesn't come and go like the movement of water in the pool. The mercy of God is not like the pool of Bethesda, stirred only now and then. It is a well of water which is always springing up. And whoever believes in Jesus, whether it's morning, noon, or night, will find that Christ is ready to heal them. There is no need to wait when Jesus is present. But we must be ready. We must always be filled with anticipation. We must come to Jesus expecting. This is what the word says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. We know that this miracle took place on the Sabbath. But Jesus would not be hindered from doing good on the Sabbath because he himself said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath was a day of rest and feasting. But while others were enjoying the feast, there was this multitude of people lurking around the pool in pain waiting for the angel of the Lord to stir the waters. And this is the place where Jesus was found. Where else should the physician be found if not in the place where the sick are gathered? He was at home with these people because he himself said in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, it is not those who are, who are well that need a physician, but the sick. And it's unfortunate that there are those among us who have no desire to be made well because they think they are well already. They have no desire to be made whole because they think they are whole already. But let us learn this lesson from Jesus, that in the times of our celebration and feasting, we should not forget those who are in sorrow and pain we should reach out to them so we can also experience the joy of doing good for others. Jesus said to the man, rise up and walk. And we give credit to this crippled man because when Christ gave him the order, he did not reason or argue with him. He simply obeyed. Jesus gave him a command and therefore it didn't matter 
what condition the man was in because the power was not in the crippled man but in the one giving the command. The power is not in the sinner but in the one who forgives sin. And so our part is to trust and obey when we are given a command by Christ, when we are given an instruction by Christ. Because there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Christ did not ask him to rise and walk into the pool, but to rise up and walk. He bypassed the pool. He who this minute was not able to turn himself in his bed, the next minute was able to carry his bed. The bed that used to carry him, he was now able to carry it himself. And just as there was no man to help him into the, into the water, there was no man to help him carry his mat, showing him that he needed no man. You see, God wants to take all the glory for himself, and no man can take the credit for God's work. God is in control, and a miracle will happen no matter how long a person has been waiting. All these years, he had been waiting at the pool. But that was because Jesus was not there. Where Jesus is, there is no waiting. He, Jesus healed him instantly. And when we look at the healing ministry of Jesus, we see that he has a commitment to restore the whole person to God. He will not just focus on a single dimension of healing. He wants us to be fully restored, body, soul, and spirit. Maybe you are listening to this message and you wish to be made whole. You wish to be made well. You don't need to wait for a sign. The fact that you are not comfortable with certain aspects of your lifestyle is enough sign for you to change. Do you want to get healed of your addictions? Do you wish to be healed from drinking problems? Maybe it's pornography, anger, or any other problem. I want to tell you this morning that there is no need to wait. I encourage you to run to that place where you recognize that you cannot do it on your own. Look up to Jesus. He can heal you right now if you will allow him to work in your life. Have faith and give him some space. And if you don't know him as your personal savior, I want to encourage you to invite him this morning. This is a decision that you have to make. But I can assure you that this will be the best decision that you will ever make in your lifetime. If that's you, I want to ask that you repeat this prayer after me. It's a very simple prayer called the prayer of faith. Lord Jesus, I realize that I've sinned against you. I need you in my life. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I repent of all my sins and I give my life to you this very moment. I surrender myself to you. Come into my life and change me. In your precious name, I pray. 
Amen and Amen. Now, if you have said this prayer and you are watching from home, please type your name and address in the comment section. We want to get in touch with you and help you on your journey of faith. If you are watching in church, please raise up your hand and one of the ushers will come over to you and help you. Let's just pray and close this service in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for giving us your son, Jesus Christ, whom you appointed heir of all things. In him we move and live and have our being. In him all things consist and hold together. Because of what he has done, we have access to your throne of grace and confidence, the confidence of knowing that we will receive mercy in our time of need. We look up to you, Lord Jesus, thanking you that even when we go through difficult and dark moments in our lives, you are always with us. I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes on you and that your peace will reign in our hearts as we eagerly wait for your second coming. We pray all this in your wonderful and precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you all and have a wonderful week.